Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. I want you to, if, if you're by family, I want you to just turn and look at them and say, I love you. I really do love you. Go, go ahead. Come on. Give them a kiss and a hug and all that. It, it never fails. Every week I see somebody looking at each other going, nope, no, no. Nah. Hey, uh, uh, we've been now since the beginning of the year in a series called Unstuck, as you just saw. And um, the idea behind it is we've been talking about areas in our lives where we manage to get ourselves stuck and then how we get up out of those things. So we've been doing this from the beginning of the year. And this weekend is the last weekend. And I'm pretty sure that you're going to find this talk ironic. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. But uh, first, let's just look at the definition of where the word ironic comes from. It comes, of course, from the word irony. The dictionary, one of the dictionary definitions is, is that irony is a state of affairs that seems deliberately contrary to what one expects. So you expect one thing, but something, you know, it seems almost deliberate that the opposite happens. It's ironic. It's irony. Maybe you could say it this way. Irony is when you get what seems like an obvious win, but you really lose. And I would guess, in fact, I would almost bet that all of us have experienced this in one way or another in our lives. It's like you're in something, it's looking really good, it's looking really great, and then suddenly you realize this is not what I thought it was. It's not good, it's not great, and it's ironic. There's a place in Scripture where Jesus tells a story, which I think is pretty powerful, really, and uh, it's found in Luke chapter 12. And this is from the message paraphrase. So Jesus gives a story, and I, I, I'm just going to put it on the screen because I want you to all kind of see it with me. So he's, he's with people. He, it says, then he told them this story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. And he talked to himself. He said, well, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. And then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones. And then I'll gather all my grain and goods. And I'll say to myself, self, you've done well. You've got it made and can now retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. But, Jesus goes on, just then God showed up and said, Fool, tonight you die and your barn full of goods? Who gets it? And then he concludes the story by saying that's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. Now this story, I mean, you talk about irony. Here's a guy who has reached success He's got it made. He built his business. He made the money. He's doing really well. And now he's ready to retire. Enjoy the golden years and sit back and take it easy. And then God shows up and says, oh, uh, hey, uh, just so you know, you're going to die today. And by the way, you were a fool. He thought he had it made. He thought he had everything going his way. He thought he was experiencing great success Oh, by the way, you were a fool. You were in a ditch and you didn't even see it. You know, sometimes I think it might be wise for us to be reminded that things, and I think you already know this, but things aren't always the way they look in our lives. Sometimes you're in the middle of something and it looks like an absolute disaster. It's like you're just going, ah, nothing, this could not be any worse. And you're telling people how terrible things are and you're going through all that and it feels so bad And then maybe it's two weeks down the road or six months or a year, whatever, you look back and you realize, in fact, it wasn't a disaster. It actually was a good thing in your life. What appeared to be a disaster, ironically, crazily enough, turned out to be something really good. And conversely, the opposite can happen. You can have things where it looks like it's really going well, but actually, 
Even though it smells like success, it's a total fail. And we've all had those in our lives. And this is where it gets a little weird because, because we're all trying to be successful. Everybody wants that. We want to be successful. We want to, you know, get stuff. We want people to like us. We want to be respected and, and, and approved of. We want people to see us as doing well. We want, we want things to go smooth and easy. We're all working and striving for that. And the irony is, is that if we're not careful, success, reaching success can actually become a stuck place in your life. A ditch, something that you need to get out of. You know, the Bible's filled with stories of people who actually got where they dreamed of getting to, only to find that it wasn't what they thought it was, and some of them actually ended even in ultimate failure. It's ironic. Some people spend a lifetime, they're, they're working, they're striving, they're trying to get somewhere, they want to succeed, they want to get to that place where they can retire and enjoy their life and just sit back and have a good, and then they get there, and you've heard these stories. And it wasn't what they thought it'd be. It wasn't like they thought it'd be. Success often is not anywhere what we think it would be. And I'm not just talking about like, you know, you, you got to retirement age and then the stock market hit a bad spot and you lost a ton of money. And, or I'm not talking about dying. I'm talking about you get there and everything should be good. It's like I've reached what I've dreamed of. This is what I've hoped for. This is what I've worked for. And you realize it's like something's not right. I thought this is where I was going to be. This was going to be great success. And you realize that it's not. And I want to talk about this today because this is a significant thing that most people don't talk about, but it's very real. And it's what I would describe as the ditch of success. And I know, it's ironic. Because we're all pushing there. We're all trying to get there. Now, some of you will say right off the bat, oh, I can resonate, resonate with you because I, I, I've kind of experienced some of that, you know. And many of you are saying, well, I don't, even, I don't have to listen to this one, you know, because I have no success in my life. I'm not, nothing. I'm a nobody. I'm just, I have no success. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. Yes, you do. Everybody has it. See, I'm not talking to the person who's a superstar, who's made, you know, built their business, become filthy rich, and they've got everything. I'm not talking just to those people. I'm not talking to a few people. I'm talking to every single one of us because all of us in our lives have areas, places, where we are successful. So say you're a student, and maybe you've really worked and, 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 and striven to become an excellent athlete in whatever sport you're playing in. Maybe it's soccer or basketball or whatever it is, and you become really good at that, and you've reached a level of success in that area. Maybe it's academics. Maybe you're a young adult, and you're in your job, and right now you're just knocking yourself up because you want to do really well, and you're actually surpassing the people that work around you, and you're doing your job with great excellence, and you're experiencing some success in that area. And I want to talk about what happens when we experience success, because all of us do, not in every area of life, but in some areas of life, we experience success. Maybe, maybe some of you are here, and, and I mean, you're like, you're like the American dream, you know? You've, you've, you, you've built your business, you've got a ton of money now, you're doing really good, you've got the house in the lake and the condo in Arizona, and, and you, you can travel, and you've got the money to underwrite whatever you want to do, and people respect you, people think you're an amazing success. But you're aware 
It's not exactly what you thought it'd be. And that something isn't quite right on the inside. But this is what everybody goes for. This is by anyone's standards. We want to get stuff. We want to get respected. We want to get more. We want all these things. This is, this is what we go after. It's the American dream to bring it in, to get it all. And what we don't understand so often, even though you've summited the mountain of success and breathed that rarefied air, is that it's not all you thought it'd be. And it actually, potentially, and that's a key word, but potentially can become a real ditch in your life. It can, it can become a place where you get stuck and you don't even realize it sometimes. It has subtle, subtle power, but it is an amazing thing that can happen when you become successful in something. Be honest. I've been aware for years now that success is actually one of the more dangerous things that you can face in life. Now, let me just clarify up front. I'm not against success. I'm for it. But I want you to understand the potential that comes with it because it has such enormous power. And I've experienced this at a limited level in my own life. It doesn't matter whether it's an individual or an organization. You know, you're trying to get to the top. You're trying to do this thing the best you can. You're trying to become successful and and you want to be respected as a person who succeeds and does well. But you need to understand that when you get there, if you get there, and you will in some areas of your life, you must handle it with care. Because something happens when you experience success that you're not always even aware of as you're going towards it. And like I said, many of you will know what I'm talking about. But you get there and it's realized something's not quite right. You know, um, when we started this church, and uh, I was here from the very start of this church, I never, I, I mean, I can say this with total honesty, I, I, I could not imagine that it would become the church that it is today. I had... I had no inkling that it would ever become what it is today. This church is, in many ways, an anomaly. And I will tell you why I know this. Because I've been here since the start, and this coming September will be 40 years that this church has been in existence, which is... You applaud. All that does is make me feel old, all right? But, but uh, uh, it, this church is in a rural area, and it is an anomaly because it has become a very large church in a rural area. TVC has thousands of people who are part of the church family. It has three locations in three different cities with buildings in every place, and we have not one cent of debt. We have seen thousands of people make decisions for Christ. Yeah, that's cool. We have seen thousands of people, thousands and thousands of people make decisions for Christ. I have no idea how many people have been baptized in this building and the other buildings that we have. I have no idea how many works and acts of good deeds in our community have been done by the people of this church family. But by anybody's standards, this church has experienced wonderful success. And I know that it's an anomaly because as a pastor of a large church in a rural area, I've looked for churches like ours that are the size of ours, that have the scope of ministry of ours all over the country because I've been in leadership networks and all that stuff. And they're just not a lot of them. There are some, but there are not a lot of them. And this church has experienced far beyond anything I would have imagined. Great success. So sometimes 
when I'm in conversations with someone and they begin to understand, maybe they're not familiar with TVC, and they begin to understand the scope of its ministry and, and what God has done as, as they ask questions about it, they will ask me this question. How did you do it? How did you grow such an amazing, successful church that's reached so many people and touched so many How did you do that? Now, I know that I cannot, I must not take credit for what God has done. But I want to. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm totally, I totally want to. I want to because it feels good. It feels like I'm somebody, I've done something good with my life. I understand how it can work because it's not uncommon for people to come up and say to me, you have made such a difference. You've done such this. You've, you've meant this. You're building this church. Is to, they, they will tell me these things and they credit me with the accomplishment and I like it. <laughs> now you're all laughing at me right now. Can anyone relate to what I'm talking about? Come on, just in some area of success. It's like somebody says, you did that really awesome. And you're like, yeah, I did. There's something in us. This is something that happens. It's amazing. Now, just so you know that it was never me at this church. It was never about me. I am just another messed up human being along for the ride. But I think that I can speak from the, at least a limited amount of experience to this area of what it feels like, what can happen when you experience at least some success in some area. As I said, people don't talk about it a lot. But it's something that happens to you when you reach that success, when you summit the mountain and you feel like, look at what's happened, look at what I've been a part of, and you don't even know it, but there's this thing that starts to creep inside you and put its tentacles down, and it is not a good thing. It is a broken thing, a dark thing. A thing that loves the credit and loves to be seen as somebody who has succeeded, as somebody who has done well. And what it can do potentially is bring great damage in your life. I actually say success is kind of like poison Kool-Aid. It's delicious. But if you drink it, it will do you great harm. And I've seen this over the years, and I've seen my own battle with this when I've experienced my little world of success in my little area, and it's not just as a pastor, but in other places in life where I've experienced successes. I understand how this thing works and how it starts to try to creep in you, and you don't even want to acknowledge it, but it's there, and it can put you in a ditch. Now let me go back and say it again. I'm not speaking against success. I want you to succeed. I want you to succeed in whatever endeavor you're, you're fighting to do good at in your vocation and in your community and in your life and whatever you want to do. I want you to succeed, but I want to stand up and give you a warning. Handle it with care because it will bring great damage if you're not careful. Let's talk a little bit about what some of the things can happen to you when you experience success, the ditch that you can fall into. And one of these things, this is going to sound crazy, but it can lead to lethargy or laziness in people's lives because it's like you realize, I've done it, I've got here. This is, the, this is what's ironic about success. You, I hear people talk about this all the time. Some of you have, and you're going to feel like I'm criticizing you. I'm not. I understand it. But this is what we do. We talk about, I have knocked myself out. I've worked so hard so I can get to a life of 
ease. But you remember what Jesus said to that, that God said to the farmer? Fool. You really think that that's what your goal in life is? You really think it's to get to the golden years where you can kick back, play golf if that's what you do? I don't understand you, but if you do that, or, or whatever your sport or hobby is, you can just kick back, enjoy it, and travel, and do all the fun stuff, and have the, the, the life of Riley, you know, the best kind of things happening to you. Do you think that's what you were made for? But see, this is what often happens in our lives, is we're knocking ourselves out to reach that that place where we don't have to work anymore. We don't have to deal with this crap at work. We can just enjoy ourselves and, and live the good life or whatever it is. But you need to understand that that's actually not where you're best. You were designed and created by God not for a life of ease where you don't do anything, but actually for a life of productivity, to work. Look at this scripture This is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good. Would you say this word out loud with me, please? Okay, some of you feel like you can't even say it. Let me try it again. Let's see if we can get 15 people to say it. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good work. We were created. God actually created us to do good work, good works. God prepared in advance for us to do them. This is the plan of God. This is the will of God. We were made not to sit around. We were made to do good work. Something, work, that comes complete with obstacles, that comes with difficulties, that comes with struggles, we actually need that in our lives. This is where many of us, I think, miss the mark. Is because we're working at a job. Some of you, you hate your job. You hate your job. You think it's the worst thing in the world because you're not happy all the time at your job. And you think there's a job out there where you're going to be happy all the time. Stop smoking that stuff because it's a lie. (laughs) There is no job where you're happy all the time. And all the people that work said... There's just no job like that. But you think if I could just, you know, if I could just get a different job or if I could just retire from this lousy, stinking job that I have so that I could sit back and take it easy. But what you need to understand is that actually you are a better person when you face obstacles and difficulties in your life. They help you become more. And if you slide into a life of ease, and any parent knows this, you don't want your kid to be raised being lazy all the time and doing nothing and you doing everything for them. You know that you're doing them no favor. You're actually doing them harm. Come on, is that true, parents? But somehow we seem to apply a different standard to our own lives. But the truth is, is, and I wrote this out because I think this is just important to understand, you are seldom better when things are easy. I know we want to get to the place where we can just kick back and relax and take it easy, but you are seldom a better person because it's the struggles, it's the difficulties, it's the heartbreak that comes in work and in trying to accomplish stuff in your life that make you a better person, that help you grow. Now, I don't think Scripture is per se against the idea of retirement. I think retirement is fine. I think Scripture is against lethargy, against being lazy, against thinking, I just want to get to that place where I can have the life of ease, man, where I can just do what I want to. I can sleep in every stinking day, and I can go to bed, you know, you know, eat at Denny's at 4 o'clock and go to bed by 6, or whatever it is your dream is, you know, live in Florida, all that stuff. I can get all that stuff. No, no, you were called, you were created in Christ Jesus for good work. Now, I understand as you age, you don't have as much energy as you had. I understand it. 
because I'm older than the vast majority of you listening to me. But I think where many people screw up, and I don't want to just talk to retired people and all that or people looking at retirement. I think where people screw up is what should be a successful transition from a vocation to a new vocation of serving and helping others and using time that you didn't have when you were working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. I think it ends up for so many people becoming an ultimate fail because it becomes all about me. This is me time now, baby. This is about me. But you were created in Christ Jesus for good what? Work. For good work. You were created for that, and that is huge. And that is partly why we push so hard at TVC. We have experienced some success. It's wonderful, but we understand you don't You don't let off on the gas. Our mission is connecting people with God. And that, I can't think of a more important mission in the world. And so we can't let off on the gas. We need to push further. I don't know where we'll end up as a church. I look forward to seeing what happens. You know, I know I'm going to be lead pastor for a little bit while longer. And then I won't be. But I'm with TVC because we have a mission. And we're called to do good works. And so we push ourselves. So what happens sometimes is people, you know, they, 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 they get successful and then they start to get lethargic. They start to become a little lazy. Here's another thing is that it can lead to a separatist mindset. Now, I, I think most of you will understand what I'm talking about here. And that is, is that we think somehow because we do something good, you know, that we, we are really like above. See, here's the deal. When, when you are successful in something, that means that you're doing that thing better than other people around you. That, 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 there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that. Because you're, you're a great athlete, that means you're better than most of the athletes around you. When you're great at something, at work, whatever it is, you're better than those people around you. You're doing that thing better than those people around you. But here's what slides into us without even thinking. We start to see ourselves as a cut above those people because we do something better than them. And that is a lie. That is a lie. Because you do something better than someone else does not mean you are a cut above those people. And most of us would never say out loud like, well, I think I'm better than other people. Nobody's going to say that because that sounds crazy. It sounds psychotic. But we think that in our minds because we've done well at this thing. We think, I'm somebody, but listen to me, in the kingdom of God, in the family of God, really in humanity, I hope you'll hear this wherever you're at with your, your perspective on God, is you are not a cut above. You are a broken mess like everybody else. That was good preaching. I don't know if you realize that or not. You are not a cut above. You know, there's a place in Scripture where God kind of gives direction on what it looks like for us to be human and uses the body as an example, what it looks like for us to be a group, to be the family of God or in the kingdom of God. And this is so powerful. This is in 1 Corinthians 12. Picks up at verse 16. It says, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, well, I don't belong to the body. In other words, I guess I'm not worth anything because I'm not an eye. No, he says, it would not for that reason stop to be part of the body, being part of the body. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. In the kingdom of God, this is what you need to understand. 
Nobody is a cut above anybody. Nobody is a cut above anybody. But this is what happens in success, is that because I do this thing better than some of the people around me, I start to see myself as better than them. And I would never say it out loud, but it starts to creep up on the inside of me. I start to see myself like these people. You know what's wrong with these people that don't have any money? They keep buying these stupid lottery tickets, and they keep going to party stores to buy their groceries instead of cutting corners and, 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 and using coupons and whatever it is. They do, we start feeling ourselves becoming critical of other people like somehow we're better than them and we are not. Can I just drive this home for another second? I know some of you are already mad at me. I might as well just go all in, right? Thank you. Yeah, go for it. Great. That really encouraged me, whoever said that. All right, thank you. Listen, 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 listen. Everything you have has been given to you. Everything you have has been given to you. And I know this runs foreign to the thinking. Some of you right now, something on the inside of you, whoa, 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 whoa. I have busted my rear end to accomplish what I've done. And the stuff I have, I have earned every bit of it. That stuff I earned. Okay? Okay. Let me just ask you one question. Who gave you the strength to earn it? Who gave you the strength to earn it? Did you manufacture that yourself? Did you come up with that yourself? You really think you can become so arrogant that you think that everything you've got is because you've knocked yourself out? Maybe you've taken the things that you've been given and you've worked hard with them and it's done well, but you do not become better because you worked hard. Nobody is a cut above anybody else. I'll stop ranting and raving on that because I could just keep on. And I, I'll be honest with you, I struggle with this for myself. You just think that way sometimes. Here's another one that success ditch can lead us into is that it can lead us to a place of ignorance. I, I don't know, maybe you can't re- resonate with this, but, but I think because we think we've arrived, because we think we've done uh, well with something, we think, I don't need anybody to tell me how to do this. This is, this is, it, it, come on, don't look like angels, all right, right now. Just, just, just go with me here. I, I don't know how this has happened to you, but I'm guessing it may have. But there'll be times that somebody will come to me and they'll try to tell me how we should be doing church. Now, you can't pastor thousands of people and not be diplomatic at some level. And I've learned to be diplomatic. So I never say these things. But I'll give you a peek of what happens up in here. (laughs) You already know where I'm going, don't you? Because you've been there yourself. So somebody will come up and say, well, I think, you know, if you're going to do it right, you need to do this. And I'm like, oh, hmm. But in here it's like, oh? Do you have any idea who you're talking to? Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Do you really think I haven't been there, honey, done that, know about it, accomplished it? Really? You think you can tell me how to do it? Get out of my face. That's all going on in there. I know some of you right now, you're like, you are a whack job. 
Yes, I am. <laughs> Put the fun in dysfunction. So I, I really, I really feel those things. Now on the outside, I'm just like, well, that's interesting. Thanks for sharing that. I, I do appreciate that. <laughs> you idiot. You know, the reason you're laughing is because you know what I'm talking about. We all feel this way. Now, this is what happens. This is what happens. Is we get successful, and then it can lead us to thinking, I know. Therefore, I don't, have to, I, I don't need to learn anything because i got to figure it out. And then we move to this place where there's a sort of a spirit about us that's ignorant because we're, we're convinced that we know what we're doing. Listen, buddy, I've been doing this for years. Don't be trying to tell me how to do it. I know. Really? Are we that dumb that we think we can't learn anything? But see, we don't even think that way. We don't think in those sort of super arrogant ways. We just feel it and it rises up. And we don't look at it logically, but that's how success works. It gets its tentacles down in. And if you're not careful, if you don't handle it with care, that can happen. And this does happen. Under, you know, there was a church that Jesus speaks to in the book of Revelation called the Church of Laodicea. And this is what he says, and this is, this is pretty powerful. He says, you say, I'm rich. <laughs> I've acquired wealth. I don't need a thing. But, Jesus says, you don't realize that you're wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and naked. You don't see you like you really are. You've gotten a little bit lazy. You've gotten arrogant because you think you're cut above. You, you stop learning. You stop growing. You're not all you think you are. And I, I guess more than anything, I'm just trying to give you a warning. I can speak now from years of experience of having a little bit of success in my little world in different ways. That you have to handle it with care. Whatever that thing is. You have to handle it with care because it will creep in you and it can do great damage. I love what Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. It says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful. Be careful that you don't fall. I like how it says it in the message paraphrase. Same verse, just in the paraphrase. It says, don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate, say it out loud with me, God-confidence. It's not about you. You're not who you think you are. So obviously, some of you may be saying at this point, you know, okay, okay, I I get it, but, you know, if I'm in the ditch, maybe I don't even know, or maybe I see I'm in a ditch a little bit. How do I get up out of that? I think it's actually pretty easy. I could be wrong on this. But I think it's just one thing. I think what we have to do is we have to work really hard at this, but we have to humble ourselves. Which is not a default mode for any of us. We have to humble ourselves. See, the thing about even small doses of success is that it kind of acts as a funnel and it pushes you down that funnel further and further towards this thing called pride. Pride in our accomplishments, pride pride in our possessions, pride in all these things. And I'm telling you, it is not where you want to be. It really isn't. This is what Scripture says. James writes in James 4, 6, God, what's this word? 
opposes. He opposes the proud, but he shows favor or gives grace to the humble. And because this is true, just a few verses down, he writes this. He says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. But the key words here are humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. And this is really critical. You have to humble yourself. Because though you may think, you can say, well, Jeff, if you knew some of the stuff I've been through in my life, you would understand that I certainly, yeah, I have been humbled. No, 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 you haven't. You may have been humiliated, but only you can humble yourself. Life will not humble you. You have to choose that. And you know how I know this? Because probably most of us in this room know somebody who went through humiliating experiences, but instead of coming out on the other side more tender, more humble, more self-aware, they doubled down, they got angry, they got more prideful, they got more arrogant, and it was them against the world. And it did not humble them. It humiliated them, but it did not humble them because you cannot be humbled by life. Look, life can humiliate you, but it can't humble you. You have to do that. You have to choose humility. Only you can do that. And here's what I want to tell you. When you humble yourself, it's more than just hanging your head and saying, well, I'm really nobody. It's not self-abasement. It's really not that at all. When you humble yourself, what you're saying in effect is, is that I'm not a cut above anybody else. And so I'm going to live my life like everybody else. I know I'm broken. I know I'm a mess. And so I'm going to be willing to set myself in situations where I don't look like success, where I don't look like somebody that's got it all together, where I may look silly sometimes, or I may fail sometimes, or I may have these things happen in my life that I don't want. Those things are repulsive to the successful. But a humble person is not focused on what people think of them. Actually, they're focused on other people. And they're willing to live their lives in a way where they're not thinking about their success or lack of it. Now, Again, let me just say, I want you to succeed. I just want you to handle it with care. Because it can do such damage. So just take a few more minutes and talk about really uh, what it looks like sometimes when people are truly humble. And this is going to seem so remedial, it's going to seem almost crazy. But this is what I will tell you. Humble people are willing to try stuff. And what do I mean by that? Is that when you get successful, I see this happen time and again, you start making the choice not to do things where you might not look like a success. You start to, you know, when you're young, you know, this, I, I see this happen in people's lives all the time. It's like, it's like they, you know, they got nothing to lose. You, you know, you're, you're like, you go for an apartment, you, you, you get a house and it's awesome, but you're willing, you, you know, you'd pull up stakes and move off somewhere and do whatever because you really got nothing to lose. It's great. But your life, you go on through your life and you start collecting stuff and you start getting more stuff and you, you get the house and you get a remodel and you get all these things and you got your vehicles and your, your IRAs or whatever, all that stuff piled together. And as the days go by, you find yourself starting to wrap your arms around them more and more. And I talked about this recently. What you don't realize is that actually they're starting to wrap their arms around you until you're not owning your possessions, they're possessing you. And you stop being willing to risk, to try stuff, to do stuff that's different. And this happens in people's lives. I see this happen all the time. Can I just tell you the truth about me? I've wrestled with this one. I I don't want to look stupid. I mean, I do it enough accidentally. I don't want to step out into something. 
And therefore, there have been too many times where I've not stepped in and tried something and done it because I thought I might look stupid. This is what I can tell you from my own experience. Take it for what it's worth. If you're afraid of doing something because you think you look foolish, you are the fool. You are the fool. Humble people just say, so what if everybody thinks I'm a success and when this is over, they don't? So what? I know the truth about me. I'm a broken mess like everybody else. Humble people are willing to try stuff. The second thing, and this goes hand in hand with that really, is that they're okay with failure. Now, I'm not saying that humble people are like, I want failure in my life. I like failure. No, nobody wants that. We're trying to succeed. We don't want failure. But what they understand is, is that failure happens in life at times, and it's no big deal. You get back up and keep on going. You know, sometimes you'll hear people say, failure is not an option. (laughs) Yes, it is. Of course it is. In fact, I would contend that if you don't fail with a certain regularity in your life, you're not trying anything. You're not doing anything. But when you are humble, you realize, I'm going to step out and give this a shot. And if I fail, I fail. But if I win, cool. And you're not so arrogant to think I'm worried about what people are going to think of me or how they're going to look at me or how they're going to see me. And, and you know, this is often what people say. But, you know, if I fail, it's like it, it's painful and it hurts and all that. Yeah, it's true. But you know what? God may be at work in that stuff. And it often is. I love this where James writes in chapter 1, he says, Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, well, it produces perseverance. Makes you stronger, better. You fail. God often, let me just say this to you, is that what you think is a disaster may be God growing you. What you think is a disaster may be God at work in your life. So humble people, they're just, they'll step out, they'll try stuff, they're okay with failure. I'll tell you another thing is that humble people, they're learners, they're just hungry. Again, I see this happen in so many people's lives. It's like they get to a place of success and it's like they got it all figured out, they know it, and they don't. They don't. Don't tell me what to do. You, you're, I was doing what you're talking about when you were in diapers. So I have nothing to learn. No, no, no. Humble people just say, of course I have something to learn. Can I just ask you this? Can I just challenge you in your thinking? Are you pushing yourself to grow, to learn? Are you doing that? See, one of the signs of of arrogance, of of being stuck in a ditch is when we stop pushing ourselves. Are you reading? Are you developing your mind? Are you developing yourself spiritually? Do you do stuff that pushes yourself a little bit? Or do you just try to find the most comfortable, easy path and just follow that? Have you become kind of lazy and non-learning? Can I just challenge you spiritually? Push yourself. Step out. Do stuff like we've been talking. You know, we've got this all-out worship service where we just come together and worship next weekend here at the Hastings campus in the evening. Come to something like that. Just push yourself to worship. Get into a life group. Stop saying, well, I don't know if it'll be fun and I have this time and blah, blah, blah. Just do, push yourself on it. Be part of this thing we have coming through the season of Lent where we join with millions of other Christians and we, we say no to something. We fast something. Something that'll be difficult for a six-week period as it leads up to Easter. And at TVC, we call it a fast forward and we say yes to something. And we'll talk more about that, but just Join these things. Be a part of these things. They're huge. Seek to learn. That's what humble people do. And then let me give you one more, and and, and, uh, we'll wrap this up. Is it humble people? They are servants. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. They understand 
that they are not a cut above the lowest servant that you and I, every one of us, if we are followers of Christ, we are called to serve others. Amen? Of course, it's much easier to say amen in here than it is to actually do it in real life, but we are called to be servants. And humble people understand, I'm not here for you to serve me. I'm here to be a servant. Jesus talks about this. You know that in his day, 2,000 years ago, people had slaves. You know, they had servants. And so he uses an illustration of the times in which he lived to talk to people about this very thing. And this is what he says. He says, suppose, he's giving them an illustration. One of you has a servant that's plowing or looking after the sheep. He said, will he say, the person who has the servant, will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down and eat? No, that's a rhetorical question. He said, that won't happen. Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, wait on me while I eat and drink, and after that, you may eat and drink. He says, will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? The obvious answer to them was no, because he's a servant. And then Jesus says, so also, so you also, when you've done everything that you were told to do, you should say, we are unworthy what? Let's try it again. We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Let me say it one more time. I want you to succeed. I want you to excel. But I want you to be aware and handle it with care because this thing that creeps inside us, this pride thing, can be so damaging. Now, we've got time for this, and we're going to take just a little bit, and we're going to sing a song. We're going to reflect on this for a moment. And I want to challenge you in this time. Don't get up and leave. Just stay and You don't have to sing. Maybe you just listen, but maybe you think, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to me? What is God saying? Is there a change I need to make? Have I become a little lazy? Have I become unwilling to push myself to learn? Have I been viewing myself as a cut above people who I think aren't as good as me? And make the choice today to humble yourself. And I'm just going to lead us into this time of reflection by reading prayer, an ancient prayer of humility, at least part of it. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear us. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver us, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, of being extolled, of being honored, from the desire of being praised and being preferred over others, of being approved, deliver us, Jesus. And from the fear of being humiliated or despised or rebuked or forgotten or ridiculed, deliver us, Jesus, so that others may be loved more than I. Jesus, grant us the grace to desire this and remind us that we are loved by you. And that is enough.